right, time for us to check in with Von Palmer for the Vancouver Sun, and we know he's a big fan of Kiss, right, Von? Uh, you bet. Who is it? Fantastic show a few years ago. I know, fantastic. Uh, many years ago, of course, now, but uh, there you go. At the, at the Pacific Coliseum and uh, colleagues at uh, the Vancouver Sun, I was a music critic. A couple of colleagues who were both columnists uh, asked me, uh, could I get tickets for them for their kids? <laughs> <laughs> they were taking them with earplugs in. I'll bet. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, um, I mean, they were, they were a great show, you know, and that's, and that's the thing, right, even then, in live music and what you heard on the record, uh, you went for the show, the spectacle. Exactly. You expected uh, the spectacle. It reminded me more of Alice Cooper, really, than anything else, and that really dates me. So there you go. <laughs> also a great show. Uh, Laura, let's talk about what was going on over in Victoria yesterday. A couple of different things. We'll start with the, uh, the fact that we're going to have a by-election. Yeah, so a by-election, this will be the second one. You have another NDP MLA uh, saying they're going to step down next month. Uh, that starts the clock ticking on by-elections. Uh, the Premier has six months to call the by-election to fill the vacancy. So John Horgan leaving Langford and Melanie Mark leaving Vancouver Mount Pleasant, uh, you know, Simi, another political change regarding the NDP. Back in the late 1990s, they were in such bad shape politically that, you know, the joke around the buildings were that New Democrats weren't even allowed to die because they knew they couldn't survive the by-elections. Now you've got two very safe, in my view, NDP seats. The Liberals might be able to find somebody to make Langford competitive, but Vancouver Mount Pleasant is such a safe NDP seat that they even held it when they were swept out in 2001. So, you know, whoever the New Democrats find as the candidate there, um, that seat will remain NDP and probably Langford as well. So really, it's just a question of convenience of timing. You know, I think the fact that Mark and Horgan are holding off till March simply says they want to give the premier the full six months. He doesn't have to call the by-election until the fall. And it also leaves Horg, uh, Eby with two options. He could call an early election in the spring and eliminate the need for the by-election. He could do the same in the fall, eliminate the need for a by-election by calling a general election. Right. Although it seems to me that if you're calling a by-election at this point, then, it, I mean you know, you're going to not have an election this year. It feels like everything we've had points to the, us not having an election this year. I'm not sure about that. Really? I mean, I you're still, still, fall, still not I think convinced? That, okay, I think the New Democrats, first of all, are still looking at the spring option. The opinion polls are great. The liberals aren't ready. Uh, economically, this may be as good as it gets. Um, you know, I know the premiers ruled it out, but I still think that uh, the party managers are still looking at it, and a fall election, uh, get it, which is you know only a year early and is exactly what Horgan did in uh, 2020, uh, I think a fall election um, it remains an active possibility. And that's why leaving the by-elections, uh, the, the, the six-month window on by-elections, leaving it till the fall, uh, keeps that as a, an active option. Hmm. Okay, and let's talk a little bit more about this resignation here, too, because there were concerns raised by Melanie Mark about kind of the atmosphere in the legislature. Yeah, she did. I mean, look, it was a it was a happy, sad occasion in the House in the sense that Mark got up and, and gave this speech with her family and friends. 
uh, in the public gallery, talked about how proud she was to have been the first Indigenous woman uh, to be elected to the legislature, the first Indigenous woman to make it to the cabinet table, uh, said even that she hopes uh, her successor in Vancouver Mount Pleasant would be an Indigenous woman. So all of that was uh, glorious, really, that we've come this far, that she made it there. I mean, she gave her personal history. You know, she's a product of foster care. She talked about her mom is still there, what happened to her dad. It's It's a very powerful story. And then it is also a very sad one because she's leaving. I mean, this is somebody who well recognizes that she was a role model, is very proud of what she accomplished uh, as a cabinet minister and in government, and she's leaving. Personal reasons, uh, she said uh, she was diagnosed. She went on medical leave last fall. During the leave, she was diagnosed as ADHD. She... Uh, just found the stresses coming back when she contemplated coming back to the legislature, Simi, and uh, she decided that for the sake of her children, she's leaving. So all of that is like, uh, what a shame, eh? That uh, you know. But uh, I think I've, I've never been in that position, but I have to think that people who are called on to serve as role models have pressures on them that I couldn't begin to imagine. So that was that was sad. Um, Yes, yeah, you referred to it. She launched in the House and expanded on it outside the House in a media conference some pretty sharp words about how mm-hmm. she was treated in the political arena. Referred to the House as a torture chamber, said she won't miss the character assassination, and outside the House made a point of blaming the opposition and the news media for the way she was treated particularly on the handling of two issues that she handled during her time as tourism minister. So, I mean, we can go back and look at them. Uh, To refresh the listener's memory, I don't think there's any need to refresh refresh the controversy over the Provincial Museum, and that was that was a really high profile issue, probably not coming at a at a good time, and and it did focus a lot of attention on it her. It did focus a lot of attention, although you know I, I went back and checked the coverage. That that issue of the provincial museum, she was the minister in charge. That issue really blew up over the media conference on May the thirteenth, where John Horgan took the lead and announced that the museum was closing for eight years and it was going to cost $800 million to replace it. And Horgan himself, all the questions in the House after that were directed at Horgan. Remember, it was called the John Horgan Vanity Project. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't think it was... Mark wasn't blamed a lot for that, partly because the plan was approved by the Treasury Board Committee of Cabinet. It was Treasury Board meeting in private uh, that really should have said, eight years and $800 million, that's not going to fly. Yeah. And it was the Premier's office that said, should have said, eight years and $800 million, that's not going to fly. And remember, it was John Horgan that came out solo and announced the project was killed and took all the blame on himself. I think he recognized that the that his government had put Mark in an unfortunate position, 
by by letting this thing go ahead. And Horgan said, I got it wrong. I misjudged my own community's response on the museum. So, you know, Mark Mark talked about how she felt, and I don't think anybody's going to deny that her feelings are, are, are real and that that was her experience. But really, it was John Horgan and Treasury Board that let her down on this, that let it go ahead. It really wasn't her yeah. fault that this thing went off the rails so badly. What about the complaints that she raised about the atmosphere in the house? That's not the oh, first time that's come up, though, has it? No, it's not. You know, when she talked about the atmosphere in the House, I thought back to something that uh, former NDP cabinet minister Darlene Mazzari said way back 30 years ago. She referred to, quote, this testosterone-driven chamber. And it's the nature of a political system, the Westminster system we had that evolved over the years, that is adversarial in the House, and where the job of the opposition is to focus on the government's shortcomings, to give the government particularly hell over it, uh, to say the government is incompetent. That's how the government gets held to account in our system, and it's pretty rough. And the New Democrats have done it very effectively when they've been in opposition. They've been great in opposition. And, you know, I, the, the Liberals uh, and uh, before them, uh, well, I guess the Socreds, when they were in opposition years ago, uh, they were pretty rough as well. So is there a change to the system that would make it less bruising now that, you know... Like less to, adversarial? Yeah, less adversarial. Uh, the Premier uh, was thoughtful. He was standing next to Mark when she made these accusations, and he said, look, I think we need to listen to what she said and think about whether we could do things differently. And, you know, uh, in an era where we are striving to um, improve the diversity in government in and out of the House, and I think the New Democrats have made huge progress on that, yeah, the, the the parties need to think about, you know, we're asking people to come in as role models who've been through a lot in yeah. their lives. Um, should we treat them as roughly as we treat uh, people who've come Love into the, the fight. place yeah. on who, an easier course? Yeah, and also some people just seem to enjoy it more. Right. Some people yeah. love that thrust and cut of, yeah. of the of the legislature and yeah. others not so much. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a lot there to contribute as well. You know, that's true, Simi. I mean, I'll take Christy Clark for an example. There is somebody who dished it out and also had to take it. And she talked about how she was treated differently as a woman, as a premier. But she also, I would say, gave as good as she got. So. You're right. Uh, it may be that the people who thrive in an adversarial system, um, some people do it a lot better than others. Uh, some people yeah. may not have the experience. But I will say, you know, you can go over the biographies of all of the people that have served in the British Columbia legislature in the 40 years I've been doing this. I don't think you could find another biography like Melanie Marks where what she went through to get there. Yeah. Uh, you know, she is an exceptional person. It is sad that she's leaving whatever the reasons she's leaving for. Uh, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Sim.